rose early in the morning. Well, that wiped most Baptist out right there. I'm telling you, someone said five o'clock comes two times a day. Most people don't know that. Did you get that? Amen. Here I am trying to be nice. <clears throat> and Joshua rose early in the morning. And they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Notice those last three words, go after it. Now look with me please in verse 15 of the same chapter, Joshua 3 and verse 15. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people passed over right against Jericho. Let us pray. Father, it is a joy to be back tonight in the house of the Lord. I thank you for the good spirit. I thank you for the altar movement that's already been going on. I thank you for Brandon and Shelby being such a blessing to us tonight but now here we are opening your word again and Lord we know tonight without you we can do nothing I pray you help us here a little while in this service and Lord all that's accomplished will give you the glory the honor and praise in Jesus Christ name I pray amen well, here in Joshua chapter number 3, it's a very critical and pivotal point in the history of the nation of Israel. If you know where we are, the children of Israel have just wandered in a desert wilderness for 40 long years. Moses, the man of God, has passed off the scene. Joshua now is leading the people and they've come to an obstacle. The obstacle is the mighty raging Jordan River. And the Bible said before they can get to the promised land, they got to get across this river. Now they're there watching that river flow. It's out of the banks. It's out of control. To be honest, they really don't know what to do. But God gave Joshua 
the thing to do. He told Joshua to tell the officers to go through the congregation and instruct them that when they see the priest, the men of God bearing the Ark of the Covenant, to get up from your place and go after it. Go after it. You know, as a young student of the Bible a long time ago, I come across this Ark of the Covenant. To be honest with you, I didn't understand it. And I thought, well, maybe it's not that important. But then I just keep reading. There it would be again. There it would be again. There it would be again. One day I said, man, this is in here a lot. And I sat down and counted over a hundred times the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned in the Bible. Well, I still don't understand it. In my simple way of study, here's what I did. I said, well, maybe there's some more Arks in the Bible. Well, you know I found one didn't get far. Genesis chapter 6, I found Noah's Ark. What about that? You know what made Noah's Ark? Noah's Ark? Because one day, Noah got in that Ark. Well, I thought, man, that's pretty good. And I wondered, is there any more Arks in the Bible? And I didn't get far. And I found Moses' Ark. His mama, Jochebed, a godly woman, built him a little ark of safety when he was only three months old. Put him in that ark. And God did mighty miracles in both those arks. You know what made Moses' ark? Moses' ark? One day, Moses got in that ark. Well, tonight we're not talking about Noah's ark. We're not talking about Moses' ark. We're talking about God's ark. Now, you know what makes God's ark? God's ark? It's because God gets in that ark. I figured this out. The ark of the covenant of God always represents the very presence and power of God. And if there's anything our church is standing in need of tonight, it's the presence and power of God. There are things you'll enjoy as a Christian that'll fall in your lap. Things we call grace. My, what a gracious God we serve. But there's things that's not going to fall in your lap and you're going to have to go after it. If you really want the presence and power of God in your life, you're going to have to do what Joshua said and go after it. Tonight for a little bit, I want to preach on those three words, go after it. How we need to get up out of our complacency, out of our apathy, out of our unfaithfulness, out of our sleep, and go after the presence and power of God. When this ark showed up, business picked up. When this ark showed up, 
miracles took place. When this ark showed up, God did mighty works tonight. I want us to look at that thought for a little bit simply to go after it. Now let me say some things about the ark. So much could be said. But this ark was a wooden box. It's overlaid in solid gold. On either side of this wooden box overlaid in gold are golden rings. And then there are wooden staves also overlaid in gold that would slide through those rings and that's how they carried it with those staves that slid through the rings. On the top of the ark, there was what was called the mercy seat. Then there at the mercy seat, there were two seraphims. On top of this ark, angelic figures on top of this ark. And the children of Israel carried this golden box with them everywhere that they went. It was about two and a half feet wide, about two and a half feet tall. It was about five feet long. And they carried this box with them as they journeyed. Now if you're a thinker tonight, what is a box for anyway? Why would you carry a box? Would you carry an empty box Or would you put something inside it? Well, what in the world do you put inside a solid gold box? I'm talking about solid gold five feet long. I'm talking about solid gold two and a half feet high. Solid gold two and a half feet wide. I'm talking about a multi-million dollar box here. What in the world do you put in a box? Anybody interested in that? What in the world would be inside this box? Would it be full of diamonds? Would it be full of rare jewels or rare coins? Maybe more gold? Diamonds? Silver? What's in this box? Here for a little while tonight, I'd like to crack open this box. I want us to take a peek inside and see what is in this golden box. There's something about this golden box. Is it diamonds? Is it rubies? Is it more gold? Is it silver? What in the world is in this box? There's a New Testament verse that tells us there were three things inside this box. I'm not going to tell you where the verse is because you'll cheat and go over there and find it. So I'll tell you after a while, but as we... Are y'all ready to crack open this box? Anybody interested in what's inside this box? My, my. As we crack open this solid gold box... And we take a peek down inside. You're not going to believe the first thing I saw as I raised the lid on this golden box. Down there in the bottom of this box, are you ready for it? There were two old flat rocks. Can you imagine 
a multi-million dollar box and down there in the bottom they're hauling around two old flat rocks. But they're not just any old flat rocks. And they're not just ordinary flat rocks. These were what we call the tablets. The Ten Commandments that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. Everywhere they went, they carried those tablets. In other words, they were carrying the Word of God. You know something I found tonight, Brother Joe, about people of power? They're people of the Word. They're people that pursue the Word of God. They don't let the sun go down on a day that they don't go after the Word of God. I tell you, friends, we're so far backslidden on God. We think we can throw our Bible down all week, pick it up on Sunday, sanctimonious, go to the house of God. That's not going after it. Brother, we've got more access to the Bible than any generation's ever had. And we have less interest and less pursuit of the Word of God of any generation that's ever been before. You know how God illustrates how we should be hungry for the Bible? Do you know how God teaches us? Well, you'll have to go to the nursery to find out. First Peter 2, 2. Peter said his newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. You know, I pastored a long time. I know what it's like to visit mothers and their newborn babe over at the hospital. And my, what a joyous time it is. But I've never went by the nursery. I've never saw a sign that read, Attention, newborns. We're going to give a bottle drinking class You don't want to miss it lest you starve to death. I've never saw a sign like that. All you got to do if you got a healthy baby is get that bottle close to its mouth. How many of you know it's got a bottle drinking mechanism? It don't need a class. It don't need instruction. How many of you knows it knows what to do? And I'll tell you something about that little baby. It might not have a tooth in its head. It might not have a hair on its head. It can't walk, talk, or go to the potty. But i tell you one thing it can do. It can let you know when it's hungry. And shame on the church tonight because we have so little hunger for the Word of God. God said our desire for the Bible is illustrated with how a little baby hungers for its milk. I wonder tonight, are we that hungry for the Bible? Do you remember when you first got saved? Those were good days. Days when you didn't know much. Amen? Oh, we know so much now. But where's our hunger at? I'd rather be around new converts that don't know much 
that's hungry for the Bible than a bunch of old Pharisees that think they know everything. I love new converts. Boy, they'll teach you something. Amen. You say, what can they teach us? Man, we know more than they do. Oh, they may teach you something how it used to be with you and how it ought to be. You know, there's a lady here last night. I don't see her tonight. God healed her miraculously of cancer. I saw her with no hair. And I saw her last night with hair down on her collar. God's healed her of that cancer. But you know what's better than that? God saved that gal by the grace of God. Now I'm going to tell you, she supports preaching. She'll give you them little squeaky amens. If you were watching her last night, I won't call her name. She might be watching online. But she has them little squeaky amens. I say, man, I love them little squeaky amens. It's a whole lot better than a bunch of sleeping backslid deacons, amen. God give us some people excited. Well, I was a preaching one night and that little gal was in the service and she got mighty quiet. And I thought, what's happened? Has she passed out? She got quiet. No squeaky amens. And I kind of looked over at her and she didn't know what to do. You know what she finally did? She hollered, ouch. Amen. She hollered, ouch. Right in the house of God. You say, what was that about? I guess the preaching come down her row. And she come and say, amen. Uh, so she just said, ouch. God give us some converts hollering, ouch. I've been in services where you converts hollered, hot dog. See, that makes some of you nervous. Give me a hot dog hollering new convert any day over a bunch of crowd that you can't get a holy grunt out of. I've been in services before. If somebody yawned, you thought we had revival. Buddy, that's getting bad when you get excited over a yawn. God give us some saints tonight. Back yonder when you first got saved. You love this book. You were hungry for this book. You were like that little baby. Do you remember when the preacher said, Turn somewhere, Miss Donna, and you had to look in the index to find it? Them weren't bad days. Them were good days. You may not need the index tonight to find it. But has your hunger for it? I'd rather have people trying to find it that's hungry. Some of you remember that night? The preacher said, turn to the book of Job. You went quick to the index. You looked through the old. You looked through the New Testament. You couldn't find it nowhere. Closest thing you found was the book of Job. And you just shut your Bible and said, I guess I'll have to just listen. See, some of you remember when you didn't know the book of Job was not the book of Job. But I'm telling you, them's good days when people are hungry and thirsty for the Bible. You know why them tablets are inside this gold box? Because the Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You know why then tablets are in this box? Because heaven and earth shall pass away. 
but my word shall not pass away. You know why them tablets are in that box? It's because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. You know why them tablets are in that box? Because I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. You know why them tablets are in that box? Because great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend thee. Boy, people get mad at Brother Spurling. You can about tell when they're getting mad because Bill becomes his middle name and that becomes his first name. Can somebody say amen? I wonder how many times that Bill Spurling has been said in low gap. Well, I tell you one thing, friend. You fall in love with this Bible you're not going to get offended. People that get offended in preaching just need to fall back in love with the Bible. Woo! Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We might ought to give an invitation right now. Some of you ain't picked up your Bible to read it and study it and meditate on it for a long, long time. I hate to say this, but it's true. A Bible, I'm sad to say the old King James Bible has become nothing more than a part of our decoration. Got on my tie, got my pocket hanky, Got on my suit, got my Bible. This is no more than a necktie to some people. It's no more than a scarf on a dress. To Come on now, say amen. This Bible is not for decoration. This Bible is for consumption. And if you want power, you better get after it. And you had better go after it. I got to move on. Well, when I cracked open that box, Brother Joe, I saw them two flat rocks. Isn't that amazing? Two old flat rocks in this solid gold box. But you're not going to believe what I saw laying beside them two flat rocks. Are you ready for this? A stick. They're hauling around two flat rocks and an old stick. Looks like you wouldn't need a multi-million dollar box to haul a stick in. But this is not just any stick. Whoop! This is not just an ordinary stick. See that stick, this box, it's Aaron's rod. They carried Aaron's rod everywhere that they went. And can I help us a minute tonight? If there's things in the Bible that you can't understand. Don't be afraid to ask your pastor. Don't be afraid to ask because you're probably not the only one that don't understand. We're just afraid to ask. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't understand the ark, but I feel like I understand it now. It's about the presence and power of God. 
can I make another confession? I Aaron's rod. Can I put it down on a child's level? Understand what the stick's all about inside the golden box. Well, there came a day when God said, I'm going to choose out of 12 tribes, one tribe to represent me in the priesthood. Well, that's that little statement I made over the children's heads. And I said it simply, but it's still over their heads. So let's break it down. Twelve tribes, which really means twelve families. Twelve different families. The sons of Jacob, all these were twelve families. Well, God said that I'm going to pick one of these families to represent me in the priesthood. Now that might get over the kid's head, so let's break that down. You see, what God was saying, I'm going to pick a family to represent me as men of God. How many of you can understand that? That's not hard, is it? You see, the Bible's not hard. Well, there's a stick in this box, and it's there for a reason. God said, I'm going to choose one of the families. And what I want all the families to do, I want every family to bring a rod, a stick. I want you to write your family's name on that stick. And I want you to lay it out in the tabernacle where they met with God. They don't know what's going to happen. But God said, when you come by tomorrow and you look at them 12 rods, there'll be no mistaking who I've chosen. Well, I can imagine as they go over to the tabernacle the next morning, Brother Joe, and they walk in, dead rod, dead rod, dead rod, just like they were when they laid them down, dead rod after dead rod. But then they came up on this rod. It had blossomed. It had bloomed. It's even bringing forth almonds. That's where you get the Almond Joy candy bar. Say amen. Now look, an old dead stick laying in the floor has come to life. It don't have no root. It don't have no connection. It was dead, and now it's alive. Well, friends, you know what that speaks of? It speaks of our salvation. Some of you won't appreciate this, but I sure do. You see, Don Anderson was nothing but an old dead stick. That's all I was. Just an old dead stick. I had no connection. I had no root. I had no green. I had no life. I was just an old dead stick. How many of you remember when that was you? You and I were 
as dead as dead could be. We were dead in trespasses and sins. But one day, whoop, hallelujah, one day the master came by. T.J. looked at that old dead stick and he said, live. And when God said live, that old dead stick came back to life. It's a picture of salvation. And if you want to power God, this might sound awful simple tonight, and it is. But if you want to power in the presence of God, you're going to have to go after the Word. And you're going to have to stay with that day that God gave you life. You know something? I'm doing a study on Jacob. I try not to chase rabbits, but I can't help it sometimes. You know, Jacob believed that Joseph, his boy, was dead. He believed it. As far as Jacob's concerned, you know the story. Then brothers lied, told daddy that a, a beast has killed little Joseph. Well, he believed that. He believed it for 22 years. Joseph is not dead. He's alive and well. But daddy believes that he's dead. And you know something, there came a day when Joseph and Jacob, son and father, were reunited. And he realized that Joseph was not dead. Man, I could preach an hour right here. A lot of folks are living like Jesus is dead. I'm telling you, friends, he's not dead. We just need to get back in His presence. Guess what happened? Several things happened to Jacob when he reunited with Joseph. The Bible said his spirit revived. Is that not what our churches need? We need to be revived. We need to be reunited with our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where I'm trying to get you to, as soon as old Jacob, are y'all ready? As soon as Jacob got revived, guess what he started doing again? He started talking about that night that he wrestled with the angel. The angel that redeemed him. That's the Lord Jesus, by the way. The angel that changed his name. He was just an old Jacob lying trickster, sir planner and a heel snatcher. But that night God changed his name to Israel. He became a prince with God. I tell you what will happen to us if we get revived. We'll start talking again about that day back yonder. When God gave us life, some of you, it's been a long time since with an overflowing heart, you told somebody how you got saved. You know why we don't do it? We need revival. Stay close to your conversion. 
Stay close to that day that God gave you life. Do you remember being an old dead stick? Do you remember? Hey, look at you. Man, years ago, you'd have had to be handcuffed, gagged, blindfolded, tied and dragged into a place like this. This weren't your crowd. This weren't your music. This weren't what you wanted to do. But since God gave you life, this is your crowd. This is your music. This is what you like to do. Is anybody happy that God gave you life? Can somebody rejoice that God has given you life? I got to move on because I saw something else when I peeked inside this gold box. Not only were there two flat rocks, not only was there an old stick, But laying in the bottom of this box, and I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, Hebrews 9-2, you find the three contents in the ark. The tablets, the rod, but then there is a little golden pot, and it's full of manna. There's a golden pot inside the golden box. That little gold pot is filled with manna. Why would they haul that around? Because God wanted them to forever be reminded that in 40 years in the desert wilderness, I fed you, I clothed you, I took care of you, I never forsook you. Some of you can't even enjoy this service tonight because you're so worried about how you're going to make ends meet. You're so worried about some kind of bill you got. Well, I'm here to tell you, friends, that's why you need to carry a little gold pot because that pot represents how that God has supplied their need. Everybody in this room, God has supplied your need. But then here comes a low down sorry devil and tells you God's not going to do it this time. But God did it last time. And God's going to do it this time. And God's going to do it every time. I live 100% by faith. I have no promise of any income. I have no sad stories. I left a pastorate that met every need I had. My vehicles, my insurance, they took care of me, I'm telling you. But when I left that, it was 100% by faith. I've been doing this now for six years. And I'm going to tell you, my God has never failed me. I was laid up in the hospital for 84 days. After that, 30 more days of home health where they turned my home into a hospital. After that, 90 more days of disability. I was out of the pulpit seven months for an evangelist. That don't look good. But I'm here to tell you, 
I might have been unconscious during a lot of that, but my wife could tell you we were never <clears throat> laid on a God supplied our needs. God took care of us. Shame on saints of God always moaning, groaning, complaining, and murmuring. Brother, God's good to His children. I've been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Quit worrying about your future. God takes care of the little sparrow. God clothes the grass of the field. And God's going to take care of you. You know, you'll have power in your life if you'll quit doubting God's supply and start believing that the God who did it before is the God who can do it again. Oh, yes. I just got another hospital bill. I thought they were going to leave me alone after this long. 500 more thousand. I'm up to $2.5 million in hospital bills. And I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm not worried about it because God knew where I was at when I was there. What y'all getting so quiet about? Hey, if it's real, it's real. If it's not real, it's not real. I serve a God that's real. He's never forsook me. He has never forsaken me. Whoop, y'all still happy, aren't you? Go after it. Go after it. Before I close tonight, I want to give you the conclusion of this story. Back in verse 15 of chapter number 4, 3, chapter 3. And as they that bear the ark. Now, listen preachers, I love you. One of my nicknames on the road is Old Don Anderson. He's the pastor's friend. Well, brother, I am. I am your friend. And you preachers, I'm on your side. But i got to preach to us preachers a minute. You see, us preachers need to realize we are to the New Testament what these priests were to the Old Testament. And look at who is bearing the ark. Look who's carrying the gold box. Look who's bearing the presence and the power of God. It's God's men. Now, fellas, I love you tonight. Please don't leave here thinking wrong of me. But if we don't first bear the power, if we don't first display the power of God, there's no way we can expect the congregation to ever pursue power. The best thing you can do, preachers, get full of the Holy Ghost, full of God, get anointed, go after it, hit the pulpit on fire, and burn before the congregation. You'll attract a lot more by fire than you will by being frozen. I'm not, boy, I could preach an hour there. And as they that bear the ark, notice verse 15, were come unto Jordan. 
and the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. i got to stop there a minute. I'm preaching to mountain people. I'm preaching to country people. That's what I am. I'm preaching to people who understand what a river is. I'm preaching to people who understand what a river out of its banks is. See, when I was a boy, it wasn't unusual for me to go to the river and swim. My parents didn't mind me swimming in the river. But if that river was ever out of its banks, I was forbidden to go to that river. Because a river out of its banks, it's deadly. You can't tell where the river starts. You can't tell where it stops. You can't tell how fast it's moving. You can't tell where the sunk holes are, how deep or how shallow. You can't see the rocks. My parents forbid me. Don't you ever go to that river when it's out of the banks. How many of you agree that's good advice? Stay out of it. But here's the river. It's out of the banks. And God told them priests, pick up that gold box and let's go. Now folks, you know what's going to happen if God don't do a miracle. Can I tell you what's going to happen? They're going to be swept away. This is going to be death. It's going to be all over for them men of God. But the Bible said when their feet touched the brim of that water, God stopped that river right there. He not only stopped it, He stood it up. Wouldn't you like to solve that? I mean, God just stopped that river, then stand it up. And you know what? God put that river in reverse. I looked on a map. That river went backwards 12 miles. Backwards. And all the children of Israel followed them priests. And they made it across to the other side. Had they not been bearing power, they'd have been swept away. I believe there's a lot of preachers that got swept away because they're not bearing power. I surely don't glory in it, but it seems like there's not a week that goes by that I don't hear of some preacher who's messed up, some preacher who's got swept away. Brother, I am not high-minded. I don't think of myself more highly than I should. I pray for those that have been swept away. But I tell you one thing it does for me. It makes me go after the presence and power of God. If I don't bear that power, if I don't bear that presence of God, I too will be swept away. And so will you, man of God. I didn't have to preach this last part, but God told me sitting right there that there's some people in this room that need a miracle. There's some people in this room. You need something stopped. You need something stopped. And you can't stop it. All your efforts and all your strength, you can't stop it. But you better hear the preacher tonight. 
when the presence and power of God shows up, things can be stopped. Some of you need something stood up. God can stand it up. Some of you need something pushed backwards. God can put it in reverse. And it's all about this gold box. The presence, the power of Almighty God. Now you know we don't carry a gold box with us where we go. But our presence and power of God tonight is the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. And I seek Him every day for His fullness. For His power. No way I'd want to come to Mount Vernon tonight. No way I'd want to be on this platform tonight without His presence and without His power. So you know what old Don Anderson's got to do? He's got to live what he's preaching. He's going to have to go after it. He's going to have to go after it. You know what this great congregation is going to have to do tonight if you want the presence and power of God? You're going to have to go after it. Remove from your presence, Joshua said, and go after it. As we stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. How many in this room? You need a miracle.